We're back. More video game mythos. And, uh... Oh, what's up, Oh, bitches? shit, what's happening? Oh, man. It is so weird because I'm sitting here and it's time to do Video Game Mythos and I have everything prepared and then... Ryan Turner just happens to like bust in the studio and being like, hey, I'm taking over this episode, so you're just going to have to suck it. So we compromised, we made a deal, and we decided we would do things together because I really love you guys and I want to be the star of the show because I'm a selfish piece of shit. But then I realized that I probably should just let other people take over sometimes. So maybe not take over, but just be a part of things. Especially the good Ryan, like yeah, me. The good <laughs> the good yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Um, suck it, Wolfong. <laughs> Yeah, so we have Ryan Turner here, not Ryan Wilfong. Ryan Turner guest stars on another show on the 13 Palm Trees banner, uh, Gurus of Gaming, which I am also involved in 99% of the time. Um, yes. And they also have Roger Harper, Ryan Turner, as I just said, and Josh Folmsby are a part of that show. Occasionally we bring on guests and we just talk about things like video games. So I thought it would be kind of appropriate to bring you on, Ryan. Uh, other than the fact I just wanted to stare at you a little while longer. I know, so, I'm so damn beautiful, right? You are, you are beautiful. That uh, <laughs> that sex appeal, that hygiene, oh. that everything that you just you just reek of goodness. I mean, I took a shower right before I came here, so let's hope. Prove it. Okay. Let's, it, let's did just, you take it with your dad? I did not. Shower no. with your dad. I took it with my toaster. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. But I forgot to plug it in, so the uh, effects did not take place. Well, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here. So today we're going to do something a little different. So typically on Video Game Mythos, the whole point of the show is that we get a video game character, we talk about its lore, um, and then we just kind of break open its backstory and just kind of blow our metaphorical load all over the listeners Mm, so they can just soak in that delicious goodness. But this time, we're going to talk about something that just re-released and after, well, I shouldn't say there hasn't been anything for a really long time because they have, but just nothing is good. They just remastered the entire first three games, and they put them out on the current-gen consoles. Um, There's not a lot of lore that surrounds these characters. There's some cool little tidbits we can find out there, and we'll probably talk about most of those today. But mostly, we wanted to hit on this because it's a character that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. I should, I would say everyone, but you know, yeah, people like Foamsby out there that you know don't really enjoy good video games. It may be the man I am today. That's. I can tell you, you're just yeah. a little more purple to me a than most bit more other purple. people. Yeah, so that's why it's my favorite. My, my favorite color. I'm not even gonna lie. Purple's my favorite color. <laughs> really, it is. Just I love because, it. not because of this game, but it, this had an effect on it. I'm sure. I, I feel you. I feel you. I so, the game we're referring to obviously is Spire of the Dragon. So as you guys all know, very bright, little colorful, fun game. But they didn't really take a lot of time to develop a lot of backstory. But I think that actually added to what the game was. Absolutely. In my opinion. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get started, I want to hit on a couple of the other things since we are here in the 13 Palm Tree studio. Um, a couple of things just to hit on. You have a podcast. Do you want to get recorded? If you have an idea, you have anything like that, hit us up. We got a studio. We newly renovated it. We got awesome equipment. We have uh, a great location, easily accessible. Um, so we do offer some podcast recording services. All kinds of stuff. Gurus of Gaming being one of those that reaps the benefit of that. And I love that show. I love listening to it, even though I'm on it. It's a great show. Um, 
Some of the other shows we have on the 13 Palm Trees banner, we have Waste Local Talent, where we interview bands, businesses, and artists from the West Virginia area, trying to get them a little bit of exposure. And then also we have D&D Kinda, which might be my favorite. I know I'm the co-host of this podcast as well as Gurus of Gaming, but D&D Kinda has a special place in my heart. It's helped found the company. It actually was the reason we founded the company. It's hilarious. I get to screw around, play D&D, drink a little bit. And we're not really that good at it, but a lot of people think we're funny, so... That's, that's always a, a plus. That's okay. Do you listen? Oh, absolutely, I listen. Do you love it? <laughs> Is that even a question? Uh, yes. Yes, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, You're the I English it. teacher. You tell me. Was it a question? Was it a rhetorical <laughs> question, or was it just a... <laughs> Uh, yes. Fair enough, fair enough. No, yeah, uh, absolutely. No, D&D kind of is great. Waste Local Talent's fantastic. Video Game Mythos That's, is awesome. So, Well, I appreciate um, you saying that. If, if nothing else, guys, you all should definitely just come in to just stare at Michael for 30 minutes to an hour while you're recording because I can't even contain myself over here right now. Don't. Okay, just good. give them a oh, little snippet of us just making out on off, the camera. So. <laughs> 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 but... Uh, I. I know it's difficult for me too because like I brought you in here. Normally we're here with other people, but we're here alone. We and are. I'm like I hear like the bells going off in my head that things are just right and it's just happening. Unfortunately, I don't have a table that's capable of supporting my weight, let alone two people's <laughs> weight. So it's okay. We have this lovely space here that you guys reinvented. Re- re- oh my god, I can't speak today. <laughs> Renovated this place. It's, there is tons of room. So we got tons of room in here. That means you can use that room to come in and record your own podcast, your own snippets, your own everything. We got all kinds of stuff. We even have arcade one up machine. You can come in and play before you uh, so blow some steam before you jump in front of the microphone. So. Um, I don't want to waste any more of your guys' time. We came here for, for a specific reason. Let's talk about Spyro the Dragon. Let's talk about Spyro. So, like I said, I, this is kind of going to be more of an open forum episode because, like I said, not a lot of lore, but there's a lot to say because I imagine Spyro is a pretty big part of all of our hearts. So, Ryan, tell me what Spyro means to you. We're going to we're going to go wasted local talent interview style. All right. This. We're going to we're going to go back. I, I know you said like it it helped. That was one of the reasons why purple was your favorite color. You spent a lot of your childhood with this game. We've talked about it on Gurus of Gaming. You guys should go check out that podcast. It's awesome. Um so tell us a little bit of like why this is so important to you. So, I'm probably going to um double up a lot of what I said on Gurus of Gaming when we talked about this game. Um but Spyro was essentially my childhood. Uh, the very first, well, one of the very first consoles I ever got as a kid was a PlayStation 1, and this was one of the first games I got for it. Um, and it was just, immediately just it took me in because I'm one of those nerdy kids that loved dragons growing up. And this game was everything I ever wanted <laughs> in a game because it had dragons, it had the pretty colors. Um, I got to burn things with my fire. <laughs> it was just, I got to fly. Um it was fantastic, and I just remember just spending hours playing this game as a kid, and when I beat it, I'd go back and just start it all over again and play it again, and it's just, it consumed my childhood for a solid, like, I don't know, couple years, I'd say at least, yeah, until, I, the, until the next one came out. So I, yeah. I think everyone in that, like, in that general age range that yeah. is with us, and hopefully now that it's been remastered and re-released, this generation can experience it as well. But I don't know if everyone has the same kind of attention span. Back then, this was kind of like a groundbreaking platformer. Right. It was just different. Now, there's just all kinds of stuff. So, it probably won't be as widely received, 
Other than from the nostalgia standpoint. Exactly. Other than people from our age. It's kind of like when they release uh, Toy Story coming out here soon. We're all going to be like uh, rushing to the movie theater to go see it. Yep. It's just a bunch of adults exactly. just sitting in the movie theater crying. Smacking five-year-olds <laughs> out of the way. This is my movie, not yours. <laughs> At, dude, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with Spyro, one of the reasons that I really enjoyed this game, obviously, you know, it was, it was tailored towards our audience, towards our age range, but... God, attitude in that little shithead in oh that game God. was like, I think it's what drove so many people to it because oh, it wasn't yeah. just like this voiceless protagonist. It was like this little asshole that, you know, had to, I don't even want to say overcome odds because it almost seemed like he was completely fine with what was happening. He was like, his his motivation in this game was not to save all the dragons. It was the fact that he wanted to kick some ass. Like Exactly. It, so, he wanted to be one of the big dragons and he wanted to do that. And so... <laughs> This is his chance in doing it. Yep. So something uh, I read just a little bit before we started recording, and I did not know this, Spyro, uh, obviously, was a purple dragon, and we touched on that a few minutes ago. Apparently, that was a point that they missed making in the game, that he was a rare purple dragon, and there was like only one of him, which gave him the ability to do uh, like the supercharges and the fire and the additional abilities that you got in some of the other games. None of the other dragons could do that. Right. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, th- like I said, there's not a whole lot of lore <clears throat> surrounding this game. Now, for for the mechanics of this game, so you have like the fire breathing, and that was something I thought was kind of limiting. But at the same time, they took a game where literally the only two things that you could do were charge and breathe fire. And they made this massive, like, how many were there? Five, five worlds with six different maps in each world? Something like that, yeah. And it was, it flowed so easily. It flowed so well. It was fun to play. You had a, you didn't have a level up mechanic, but you had like this, this additional objective to get all the gems. And right. it's just a free flowing, easy, smooth playing game. So, you look like you're just staring at me like you have something you want to say. I'm just listening to what you're saying right now. But no, I agree with you. Um, it wasn't like it's an, it's not like it's an RPG kind of game where you leveled up or anything like that. You did the same thing essentially throughout the entire game. It just progressed and got more difficult as you went along. Um, but I think what I loved most about it was that you had to you had to kind of use your environment to help you along. Like because there's that one level in the very beginning of the game. It's like um, the very first time you come across one of the egg thieves. Yep. You yep. have to, it's like a, the the village is kind of like a big circle, and you have to uh, like go around the circle the first time, and then you have to go back around it to try to help you get up to higher platforms and get to other levels of the village yep. that you didn't realize were there. That was a desert level, correct? Um, no, it wasn't a desert level. I don't remember what it was called. Um, Town Square, whatever. Okay. Yeah, the very first. Oh, okay. Level. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm one thinking of the, the one that's actually like mud huts and things like that that you're kind of running through right yeah those were later on um okay. but yeah this was one of the also like i said one of the first games i remember having to use your environment to help you kind of get along in the level because until that point you would be like oh let's push this box here climb up on this box and get here right this place it was like you got to look around you and see how can i get up here from what i have because i can't move anything right so. yeah and I, I mean i guess kind of to your point there it was kind of innovative in a sense because your other game that you had around the same time that was kind of like, I don't want to say it's competition, but it kind of was Crash Bandicoot. I was going to say, yeah, Crash Crash and Spyro, they're hand-in-hand hand with one another because they're both platformers, and but right. they're completely different, though. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Spyro's Crash was... more of the open-world kind of game, whereas Crash is a very linear 
Right. And that, well, that was the point I was trying to make. You just kind of, you know, that game, you push boxes and move stuff and you jump on platforms and run from boulders and right. that kind of thing. As a Spyro, it was, you do things at your own pace, but you have to find ways to make it possible. Exactly. And you can go with Spyro, you don't have to do level by level. There's, as you're in the world, there's different realms you go into. You can go to any of the realms you want to at any time. Right. As and, long as you had, and you can even go from one world to the next, and then immediately progress to the next one. As long as you can find the the balloon guy, exactly. You have to have a, a certain amount of dragons. You only have to rescue like fifteen dragons or so in the first world to get to the next world. And that's there's like thirty or some on the first world, I think. Yeah, I think there's eighty in the entire game. Yeah, so that you, you can like come back to that world later on and do more if you wanted to. I, so, so I mean that, and that was another thing about <laughs> Spyro that always it always bothered me because like how selective like. That they always try to find like weird ways to make puns when they rescued the dragons, or like <laughs> ha- what kind of like hint they were giving you. It right. was always some kind of pun or like poem, and it just like made me roll my eyes. But then I was thinking, like, it's such a in the spirit of this game because Spyro is such a sarcastic little dick, and they probably were just doing it because he was a prick. Like they didn't oh, want to exactly. thank him for releasing him. They were just like, well, I, they they're too prideful. They're dragons. And then I, have you had the chance to play the remaster yet? I have not played it myself because I don't own a PlayStation 4 and my Xbox is in storage like I told Roger last week. Um, and he yelled at me and told me to get out of storage so I can play Red Dead in this game. Um, <laughs> you don't need to but, play Red Dead. You don't need to play that. Uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but no, I've not played it. But I have watched people on YouTube play. I've like watched videos of this so I could see the new remastered and it looks beautiful. It does. Like it's so like compared to the like the uh, pixelated version we had when I was growing oh, yeah. up to what he is now. Honestly, my favorite aspect of the entire game that's been remastered is you can burn the grass. Yeah, like that's it's cool. My, that's my favorite aspect of the entire. There's a thing. lot of the environmental uh, pieces that you can burn, like little mushrooms in the corners and like all that kind of stuff. It'll just kind of fade away. Right. Um, now I've not seen the the remastered butts when they moon you. The butts so are there. The I've butts not are seen real. the remastered butt. The, all I have in my memory are the flat two D butts with one little line going down them <laughs> to simulate a butt crack. I've not seen the rounded HD butts. <laughs> Rounded HD buttholes with horns in them mm. are the pinnacle of this game. Yes. And the little, the egg thieves, their weird little fucking faces, and they're, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, dude, this game, that, that it was so good. You that, gotta, that gotta taunt haunted my dreams <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and it should have, because, like, it, and it, I found this interesting because I just recently replayed it all the way through. The egg thieves were like this thing that were in like every level up until like the last world. They just were non-existent, right? So I don't, I didn't really know what the what the idea behind that was. Like, why not make that a more perpetual thing? Just get lazy. I, like, I guess they just like when well, you're in the final world, you just want to defeat the boss. There's no point in having these well, side things here. I now I don't even think there was any in the world before the last world either. If there was, there was like one because I know there, there's only twelve eggs you have to get through the entire world, right? And then there's, um. I think there's five worlds, and each world has anywhere from, I think there's five maps in each world other than Nasty Nork's world, and then all of those, there's Ganassi a sixth. Nasty Nork, Good Nork. Nasty Good Nork. And then there's always those flight levels, which, let's talk about those for a the second. The boss levels? No, no, not the, not the fight oh, levels. The, the flight levels. Okay, I'm sorry, I heard you wrong. The yeah. flight levels. So I'm going to drop an F-bomb here. Okay. Fuck those levels. Like, I love those levels. God, they're the worst. Those <laughs> levels, to me, are the same levels that I love in Crash Bandicoot. The ones where you're riding the tiger or the polar bear or whatever. Right. Along, like, in those, whichever mount you have at the right, moment. Right, whichever mount you have. <laughs> 
I, I, I uh, compare those flight levels to those levels, and those are the levels I love. Those kind of like mini, mini game levels. So I, I enjoy doing them. My problem is they're difficult. Le- well, like I, like sure, I'll go get all your planes and your all of this and all your rings and your your archways and all that. Don't make me do it all at one time. Like, <laughs> come on, it sucks, man. Like I am like the quintessential person that gets 98% of it done and I'm like I got one more archway to fly through and I'm like going down and then my controller slips and I plummet into the water and I gotta redo the entire thing it sucks I I see your point but those I don't know I like those levels so yeah they kind of gave gave you a little bit of a break from what you were doing and just kind of a little bit more mini game-ish fun to it so yeah I, I agree like I know in the first world you unlocked it by jumping on all the stones um but well, I didn't I, know there were like secrets to unlocking them. Yeah, it was only the first, and that was the point I was trying to make. In the first world, and I think in even the second world, there was like a trick to getting mm-hmm. to there, but it was kind of weird because as it went on, that w- they were just there. Like, you right. just found them. I guess so, I just played that game so much I unlocked them just by doing it on accident because this was, oh, yeah. well, this I was mean, back not, before the internet. Well, I had the internet, but it was dial-up, and I didn't go on it regularly. Yeah. So I couldn't just go on YouTube and be like, how do I get this world? <laughs> no one wants to wait five minutes for the nipple to load. Like, exactly. That's just, it's either... Although gotta, we, it's, all did. Uh, we, we all, all did. We all did. We didn't want to, but And we by did. the time it got done, we were already done. And we're <laughs> like, whatever, this is a waste of my time. Uh, but no, in the first world, there was a little stepping stones. And it was like just blatantly obvious because when you jumped on them, they lit up. So you're like, oh, let me jump on all these. I don't think I even remember seeing that. Yeah, it was it was just in the first world, right in the green area. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those three stones. Yeah, uh, there's four. Five. I don't know. There's some number of there's them. I don't, three to five stones. Very, very unimportant aspect of the game. <laughs> no, we're going to find out right now how many stones are there. There's five. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> um, but... So you have those, but then you go to the second world and the third and the fourth and the fifth, and there's like nothing you have to do to get in them. They're just like, all right, these are hard enough. Let's just yeah. <laughs> let you into them. There you go. But you it, just have it. Yeah, Here's so, our present to you. <laughs> well, that that's my point is it was just like, did they just do that because they felt like it was too difficult or they just get lazy, kind of like with the egg thieves? I feel like it probably was just getting lazy. They were like, at this point in the game, there's no point trying to make people find these secret levels let's just give it to them and move on right and maybe that was the idea with like the egg thief too was it just too dark too hard to develop the additional mechanics of making this little guy like rush through the world on a playstation right one? and know. because he wasn't always right in your path you heard the na 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 and you would be like okay where the hell's this little bastard at yep <laughs> i gotta find him now yep and so i think they just kind of <coughs> gave up on that aspect of it see and that's what interesting to me there were there's to find points in this game where it looks like they gave up on certain things and they just gave it to you. But then they give you the treetop level mm-hmm. where they have all the supercharges. Why is that level so difficult? Like, Because like you can do most of the level when it's fine, but then there's the last supercharge where you have to run down the ramp and then jump over to the right, and then you got to make that massive jump. <laughs> and then you have to make the third or big fourth and final jump right and you miss it half the time and i went through 12 lives trying to get it even after i figured out what i was supposed to do which i had to youtube right so even though i played this game before so they took all this time to make this game relatively cool and simple and then they were just like but just in case you know this is going to be level you're going to come back to i feel like possibly what could have happened there was that they developed the game all the way through and maybe some things were afterthoughts so, like, possibly they were like, yeah, we're going to make it to where you have to find these secret flying levels. 
but then they were like, uh, they kind of just gave up on that later on. But they already developed this treetop level, um, and just kind of as an afterthought, maybe went back in and put the egg thief in. It's just another thing to do, another way to get hundred percent, mm. and just never went through and fully finished it. So some things maybe because there's been afterthoughts, or some things because there's been like you said, lazy development, and they kind of got over it. So I don't right. know. I don't know what went through their heads. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's just something possible that could have happened. Do you think another, like, almost like an afterthought, afterthought character, quote-unquote, sparks the little dragonfly? Right. Do you think maybe, oh, was that, do you think that was always the goal, was for that character to be there? Or do you think I, it added that, like, health mechanic in afterwards? Because it almost seems like when he gets hit, it in the original game, it almost seemed like Spyro took the damage. Right. But then... Why did they have it to where if Spyro took the damage, the dragonfly would... I don't know. It seems like that was almost like an afterthought as well. I'm looking this up right now to see which came out first between Spyro or Crash, because I don't know. Um, but my thought is if Crash came out first, they had the uh, that little mass that followed Crash around. Hmm. Possibly if Spyro was supposed to be a competitor for Crash, people always compare Crash and Spyro together. They needed some kind of aspect to make it similar enough to where people who loved Crash Bandicoot would love Spyro. And it's kind of like a health monitor, possibly, for you. I don't know. Um, so I think possibly if Crash did come out first, then that's a way for Spyro to compete with it or just be similar enough to where Crash players could follow along and go into Spyro and see similar aspects in a different kind of game. Uh, Spyro was first. Spyro came out first. Yep. Okay. Oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is inaccurate. Okay. Crash came out two years before Spyro did. So then maybe that's a possibility. Maybe they were like, let's take this aspect of Crash Bandicoot and add it in here so people who play Crash could be like, oh, that's similar to how Crash is, even though this game's a little bit different. That makes sense. I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense or no, not. No, that, so. that makes complete sense. Yeah, Crash Bandicoot came out in 96 in September, and then two years later in September 98, Spyro the Dragon released. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Also, I guess it would it would actually make more sense then as to why Crash released first and why Crash has probably a little bit bigger fan base. Because I think as far as like the gamer the gamer audience in that day and age, um, it, I mean it almost was split down the middle between things like platformers, right, and RPGs, and then first person shooters were just on the rise. Sports mm -hmm. games were on the rise. So and they'd been out for a while, but they didn't have a huge following like they do now. So when you had Crash Bandicoot being a platformer, and this this game was a platformer, but it was like an action adventure platformer. Exactly. So um and the only thing the other thing you had to choose from was Final Fantasy games and Mario <laughs> games, which are platformers and RPGs. So mm -hmm. um so speaking of Sparks, didn't you bring a little tidbit? <laughs> so something interesting that made me feel a lot more weird about playing this game. <laughs> so the little tidbit that I brought in earlier that I talked to you about, um, it actually was a Reddit post. Um, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't. It's canon lore now. It's, it's Reddit. It's canon. It's Reddit. It's canon. <laughs> yeah. Um, hold on. Let me see if I can get the guy's name here. I'm pulling up the thing. So this is uh, a Reddit theory by user Rose of the Night 4444. Um, and their That's, theory. He seems legit. Like right there. He probably works for Activision. Exactly. Right. Um, their theory is that Sparks is some kind of like hell demon who eats the souls of the creature Spyro kills because if you pay attention to the um the game whenever Spyro kills something little butterflies fly out and Sparks swoops around and eats the butterflies so the butterflies are the souls and Sparks is collecting the souls and eating the souls that's demented and weird and that gives Sparks his powers so 
Which, like we were saying earlier, Sparks is when you hit Spyro, Sparks takes the damage. Mm-hmm. So maybe Sparks is like a symbiote, kind of like Venom. He just protects. He lives inside of Spyro and projects himself as a dragonfly. Possibly. And then absorbs the damage on Spyro's behalf. Now, see, there's a whole lot to this Reddit theory that I did not read, so I don't know what else kind of connections they have in here. I just read the very beginning of it. But that's a possibility that Sparks is somehow connected to Spyro, possibly because Spyro is the only rare purple dragon. He has some kind of special protector, mm. such as Sparks, who takes the damage for him so he doesn't die. Uh, okay. Oh. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe that's what makes him special is just the fact that he's he has a demon that lives inside <laughs> of him. <laughs> So, so he's just uh he's literally just a demented and little And that's why dragon. everyone's always mad when they see him because they're like, Really, get away from me, you demon child. <laughs> yeah, right. You rescued me. Oh god, to... never mind, put me back. <laughs> that's why he wants to fight so much because he <laughs> he too's a demon. That's true. He's... There we go. We've we've gone from Spyro the Dragon to Spyro the Demon. I've preferred Spyro the Demon because it just sounds cooler. Okay. But that's your childhood ruin today, everyone. Childhood ruin. There we go. <laughs> Does that make you feel any better about playing the game? It makes you feel about the same. About like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't change my opinion on it whatsoever because it's just a theory. It's kind of like the whole Rugrats theory. That didn't change my opinion on Rugrats at all. I wasn't allowed to watch Rugrats growing up. Were you not? I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of things growing up. I, was, I wasn't even allowed to watch Doug. Only things like, I know I wasn't allowed to watch as a kid were Ren and Stimpy, South Park, and uh, The Simpsons. Those were the three things I could not watch. Other than uh, that, I, I was definitely like, wasn't allowed to watch any of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. So that's Spyro the Dragon. I, I don't know. They're, like I said, there's not a whole lot other than like the whole Ganasty Ganork thing. Uh, oh, speaking of which, the Nasty's loot uh, area in the game, I had a really hard time with that because I didn't realize you could fly because I had never played Nasty's uh, loot uh-huh. up until the remaster. And I jumped off. I started on the platform. You start on the platform, and just, there's this giant gap between you and the next area. Right. And I was like, I have no idea what to do. I jumped off the level and fell into the lava like seven times, and I'm like, I'm going to get a game over from jumping off the level because I have no idea. I had to YouTube it. I had to YouTube the fact you that you can fly. fly in this level. And I still died way too many times because I kept bumping into the wall. I suck at games. <laughs> I'm just really bad. Real quick before we go off that, can we just talk about how sad the drowning animation is for him when he goes into lava or water? Like, Oh, yeah, how- especially the lava. Yeah. Because it's, it's almost like his body is just gone in the lava and he's just deteriorated into nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. just something that stuck with me since childhood is that he, it's just so sad to watch him just drown in lava yeah, or water. Yeah, he's like, he's, it's, he he's doesn't like, just fall in and it's like game over. He's like kicking his little hooves and yeah, trying to get up trying out, to get out, of out of there as much as he can. Where are you, Sparks, you piece of shit? Like, You're supposed on. to protect You're, him, damn it. A, so the demon eats souls, but he can't save himself from drowning? <laughs> like, this is bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's Spire of the Dragon. Like we said, there's not a whole lot of whole lot of lore surrounding it. But I did uh, I did enjoy sitting down and talking to you about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. It's been a really uh, really enlightening conversation He's for digging me. Digging into uh, the de- developers' minds and seeing maybe what they were thinking when they made the game. So yeah, they were thinking about demons <laughs> and eating the souls of rats and sheep and enemies. Nothing to do with it. Should make a colorful, and- fun game. <laughs> about dragons they're like no we're gonna summon satan and make this game (laughs) (laughs) i mean i would have a like you're just go into nasty's level and you just get on the pentagram and summon a demon (laughs) and you go in and just pillage and plot twist nasty nork is actually satan (laughs) (laughs) oh wow 
We just opened up a whole new can of worms. My childhood is uh, ruined, and uh, I'm going to go to sleep. (laughs) That's all I can think of to do. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan, for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. This was great. You're a lovely person. I I don't know how your week was. I don't know how your week coming up is going to be, but you look into my eyes right now, and you remember that this guy loves you. Thank you. And you you are just a beautiful person. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate those kind words. You are welcome. Thanks. We'll see you next time, everyone. And we'll be back, hopefully, next week with another canon... Not canon. That's not even true. We'll be back with another lore-filled episode, probably from Ryan Wilfong. We love you. Thank you for listening to Video Game Mythos slash Gurus of Gaming Takeover. You guys have a good one. Bye. Damn it, Ryan. This is my show, all right? You can come in, you can guest star, but you can't just take over. All right, all right. I'm sorry. I just want people to check out Gurus of Gaming Podcast and our favorite podcasting productions. All right, fine. Everyone should listen to Gurus of Gaming, too. Bye. Bye.